Entrepreneur on Fire, 729. Failures, aha moments, I've made it moments, and the lightning round, seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Need a little guidance when it comes to graphic design? Get access to world-class customer support 24-7 when you visit 99designs.com slash fire. You'll even get a $99 power pack of services free. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code FIRE. Hold on to those afterburners, Fire Nation. John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our feature guest today, Jeff Ulrich. Jeff, are you prepared to ignite? I am ready to ignite, John. <laughs> yes. Jeff is founder and chairman of Midroll Media, parent company of Earwolf, the leading comedy podcasting network, and the Midroll advertising platform. Mineral offers the industry's first user-focused self-service ad platform. Jeff, I've given Fire Nation just a little insight, so share a little bit more about you personally and your biz. Thanks for having me on the show, John. I'm really excited. Me too. We've known each other for a while. This is a dream come true. Personally, I, uh, I'm married to my first love, Darlene. We grew up across the street from each other outside of Chicago. We've got a daughter who's about two and a half years old. And uh, I've lived in Chicago, New York, uh, Stanford, Connecticut. And formerly, I am of Interpublic Group, uh, Fred Cook Consulting. I had my own eBay baseball card trading company for a few years. And uh, I was at UBS um, uh, Investment Bank, which is what brought me to Connecticut. And then on the business side, uh, you, like you said, it's Midroll Media is our company. Uh, it does own and operated content. Right now, we're known for Earwolf, which is our comedy brand, but we're expanding beyond that, um, which is exciting for us. And our advertising arm, our monetization arm, Midroll, uh, is where you and I began our relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know growing like crazy. We're up to, I think, 140 different podcasts, uh, and we really have the wind at our backs on that, and it's really exciting. Well, I'll tell you, I had my first five-figure month of paying the mid-roll last month. And you know what? That's a good thing when you're uh, doing a percentage-based proportion. So things are all good on that note, Jeff. And I just got to share a quick little personal story with Fire Nation is that, you know, when I launched my podcast, you know, I was rock and rolling for nine months, three months in the prep, and then six months just producing content and saying, you know, at some point... I've got to monetize and I got to figure this monetization thing out. I know it'll come if I create a large enough audience, if I provide enough value, I'll let the chips fall where they may. And that first chip happened to be your phone call, Jeff, where I believe on a Friday you sent me a a message. Hey, John, if you get a minute, I'd like to, to chat. We talked that day. And by that next Monday, you had turned Entrepreneur on Fire into a business that had been generating red, meaning that I was just kind of investing in myself and and happily losing money for the first six months into a business that was generating five figures a month in sponsorship revenue alone. So let me thank you for that. And let me just, you know, say on Entrepreneur on Fire that uh, you've really been a wonder for my podcast as well. Oh, thanks, John. I mean, that story is really a great entrepreneurial story on both ends. I mean, here I am listening to this small podcast that I didn't think a lot of people had heard of, and I loved it. 
And I just picked up the phone and said, let's talk. And, and within a half an hour, you <laughs> responded. Like, it, you know, only entrepreneurs are so quick right. to, <laughs> to get in touch with each other about stuff like this. And I think we spoke for about an hour and a half. We got to know each other. You said, well, let's show me what you can do. And yeah, by, by the next Monday afternoon, I think we had sold like 25,000 in ads or something like that. Yeah, it was crazy. My next three months were pretty much booked out with ads. And, you know, I remember uh, like, wow, like I'm making five figures a month now through sponsorship revenue alone. And what's been pretty crazy is that my journey has now grown to where now, you know, we're, I'm making over $50,000 every single month through sponsorships alone, um, you know, which is in turnarounds me having paying the mid roll for your amazing services over five figures a month every month, which I think is just great to get to this point and saying what a win 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 that this entire service can be when you're providing value, when you're growing an audience. And that's what the mid roll has always been about. So that's why I've always been honored to be a part of it. And Jeff, we're gonna shift the focus now back to you from us. You know, it was about us, but now it's gonna be mostly about you. And we're gonna start with a success quote. So share with us a success quote that really inspires you and how you apply it to your life. Well, when I was uh, around eight years old, I went to visit a great aunt in London. She was a nun, Sister Agnes Teresa. And I decided to just hightail across a really busy street in the middle of London without her kind of like going across the street with me <laughs> and almost died. I had, you know, horns screeching and people shouting and it, it was it was kind of scary for her. And by the time she got across the street, she grabbed me by the hand and she said, now, Jeffrey, never forget, it's always better to be late and alive than dead and on time. <laughs> I've, I've never forgotten that, and I actually use it in, in my running my business because oftentimes it feels like you have to move at the speed of light, and, and, and you do, you know, and, and it's good. But if you're not careful, sometimes you can you know, speed through. If you just spend five minutes preparing, you can save yourself five hours of work. And I think that that, that advice, to, to, it's better to be late and alive than dead and on time really, really matters when you're trying to run a business. Well, Jeff, not only do I love that mantra, but I love that voice. So feel free to bring it back at any time throughout the rest of this interview. You have my complete permission. (laughs) And Jeff, that's what I love about you and why I was excited to bring you on to talk to Fire Nation today is because you are such a storyteller. You know how to bring us there with you. I mean, the horns were blaring, the tires were screeching, your little, you know, Aunt Nun was coming after you, hobbling across the street to get to you afterwards. I mean, like I was there with you. And that's what I want you to do going forward when we talk about you, Jeff Ulrich's journey as an entrepreneur. And we always start with a failure, Jeff. So take us to a time in your journey when you did fail, when you faced a massive obstacle or a challenge. And let's talk about that and then the lessons you learned. Sure. I mean, it's the only challenge here is to figure out which story to, to tell. <laughs> right. I'm sure that's consistent with most of your guests. Uh, Right after we launched our company, um, or soon after, I should say, uh, I came up with an idea, and, and it wasn't just me. There were other people at the company, um, to, to launch a product, essentially a tech product called Eardrop. Eardrop, this was now back in 2011. Uh, the only way to really compare it would be to say it's kind of like uh, Instagram for audio, which I know is a, t- a horrible thing to say. But <laughs> basically, we built an iPhone app. 
where you would leave, uh, you could record a message up to 13 seconds. It was connected to your Twitter account and you would tweet your message out to all of your, your followers. And it was really cool. And actually to this day, I still think that there is a need for that place. Um, and it, it, the app was great. It was well-designed. We had high profile comedians using it and it was really exciting, but I was the wrong person to try and run a tech company and a media company at the same time. I was asking a staff that had been hired to make podcasts to also try and become, you know, like the Instagram of audio. Uh, And oh, by the way, we had no funding and no money. And it it was really challenging because it, it it was one of those things where it's like death by a thousand opportunities. You know, where you see something so clearly that you're so passionate about that, that you say yes, you say yes, you say yes, you, you're going to do it, you're going to make everything work. And, and it, I couldn't. And it was one of the only times in my life where just deciding to do something wasn't good enough. Um, I lost the esteem of my, my entire team. You know, people didn't know what we were focused on. We, we didn't have a path to revenue with that product. Meanwhile, the thing that we had been known for doing that we were really great at, we weren't pursuing in the same way because we were so distracted by this whole other thing. And ultimately, it could have taken the entire company down. Uh, and so I decided to, to, to end it. Um, you know, there's a lot of turnover on staff. We just dropped this thing that we had all invested a ton of ourselves in and we went back to doing what we do best, which is making and monetizing podcasts. And I'm really glad we did, but it was scary and, and it, it was real failure. It was very public. I was talking about it every chance I got in some very public forums in front of some very famous people. And to just say, you know what, we failed and we're not going to do this anymore. And oh, by the way, like our whole company looks different now. That was hard. Um, I'm, I'm happy and surprised that we got through it. Death by a thousand opportunities. I mean, Jeff, I love that phrase. It reminds me of one of my other favorite ones, which is the weapons of mass distraction. Because they're <laughs> everywhere. I mean, as entrepreneurs, I mean, all you need to go is on your Twitter stream and see a thousand different opportunities and bright, shiny objects that we could chase if we wanted to. And that's why when I do like to stress to entrepreneurs and I say, listen, when you do find your thing that you're not only passionate about, but you have some expertise in and you are delivering value in, go one inch wide and go one mile deep. And Jeff, what are your thoughts if you had just gone one inch wide and a mile deep only with the media side when you first started? How do you think that would have turned out? Oh, God, I mean, I can't even imagine how how much uh, opportunity on that side was, was squandered. Um, I mean, for, like literally, I can't think about it or I will start to cry. <laughs> uh, you know, we really gave up ground on creating stuff in right. the at a time when we were, I mean, and luckily, I, I think we're still kind of market leaders in what we do, but it could have been a whole different ballgame. Uh, so, you know, I mean, again, uh, frankly, I can't believe that we are where we are, given how much time and money and what few resources we had went into to becoming something we're not. Well, I think that really does point to the fact that you were way ahead of the curve. I mean, you saw this coming before, long before many other people did, and you had this huge first mover's advantage, which, like you said, you did squander, but you had a large enough lead where when you finally did kind of wake up like that hare who you know was racing ahead of the tortoise, 
you know, you woke up before the tortoise passed you and you were able to get back on that road and start sprinting again. So that ended in a happy ending thus far. Late and alive, then dead and on time. <laughs> Always coming back to it. But remember, you have to use that voice, Jeff. <laughs> So, Jeff, let's kind of move forward from there and go to another story. And this story is going to be an aha moment that you've had at some point in your journey. And just like I felt like I was there with you that day in London and and that day when you decided to let, you know, the death by a thousand opportunities take over, share with us the story of that light bulb that went off within you, Jeff Ulrich, and then walk us through the steps that you took to turn that idea into success. Sure. This is an easy one. It's, it's fairly recent. It was the end of Q1 and I was having a management offsite with my management team here in LA. And we agreed that my number one priority for Q2 was to focus on creating new content. There was no one at the company who did it besides me. There was no one who did it better than me. And I had been doing so many other things uh, like launching mid-roll and amongst other things that we had kind of let that slip. And so as a group, we agreed that that's where my time should go. And that was like March 27th. Come April 15th, I realized that I hadn't spent a single second of my time working on our content strategy. Not one. It was my number one priority. Two weeks into the quarter, I hadn't done anything. And I looked at my calendar and noticed I had like a two-hour window on a Thursday blocked out three weeks in advance. (laughs) And I was like, how am I going to do my job if I don't spend my time actually doing this? So I took a drastic measure and I I sent a note to my team and I said, you guys are on your own. I'm going to take five weeks and I'm going to disappear from email. I'm going to disappear from the office and I'm going to work on our content strategy. It's the most important thing to the business. And if I don't get out of the weeds, it's not going to happen. And everybody was very supportive. You know, the whole company was supportive and it was great. And I spent five weeks essentially having like the best job in the world. I mean, imagine being able to just sit around and imagine whatever the next great podcasts are that you want to create, knowing that you have a business model to support it and that anyone who you call, they're going to pick up and want to talk to you about doing the show. And, and five weeks to do that while your entire company is being run without you. You know, I, I really felt like I was the luckiest person in the world. And I took a one-week trip during this time to just drive around uh, Wyoming and Montana, and I hung out in Jackson Hole, and I'm staring at the Grand Tetons, just feeling gratitude and serenity and making my list of all of the amazing people I wanted to make content with. And it really was like the best five weeks of my professional life. And I get back, <laughs> and it's, you know, 9 a.m., first day back, and the person that I'm supposed to have a meeting with doesn't show up. No, no phone call, no email, not responding to their voicemail. And I was getting really frustrated. And then I, I, I go into the office and there was this odd smell. It smelled like rotten fish. And no one knew where the smell was coming from. And between the smell and the person blowing me off for my first meeting back, I wanted to kill somebody within an hour. <laughs> and I literally stood there, John, outside of my office and I had my aha moment. And it was... I'm not the right person to do this anymore. The stuff that I enjoy, the stuff that I'm best at, the things that got us to where we are is not what the company needs from its CEO anymore. It needs a managerial CEO who enjoys taking it from, you know, I I was the right guy to go from zero to the 8 million in revenue or whatever we're probably going to do this year. I'm not the right guy to take it from eight to 25 or to 50. 
I get too much in the weeds. I get too emotional. I care too deeply about things that aren't, aren't healthy to care deeply about. And when you can have the most perfect five weeks of your professional career evaporate in 45 minutes because of a couple things that don't go your way, it's time to question what you're doing. And so I took a day, one day, 24 hours, didn't tell my wife, didn't tell anyone. I just sat on it. And at the end of that 24 hours, I was actually at Kevin Smith's house interviewing him for my podcast uh, called The Wolf Den. little plug. It's about the business (laughs) of podcasting. And I'm sitting there interviewing Kevin Smith. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm not, this isn't mine anymore. I, I'm this. I'm having this interview under false pretenses, essentially, <laughs> and I realized right then and there what I had to do. So I went home and I told my wife that I think the the company is in, in better hands with with Adam as CEO and with me as chairman. And I went and talked to Adam, who at the time was our COO, um, and we spent a couple of days figuring out what this would mean and how it might work and whether he was interested. And after he was, then we spent you know, three months executing uh, a plan for me to leave the company in the best position it possibly could be left in uh, while at the same time extracting myself. And it was a lot of work on everybody's parts, but it, it's happened. You know, I am, I'm now a month removed from active duty. I'm now a non-executive chairman and I get to have uh, massages with Adam once a month at a resort while we talk about big picture stuff <laughs> for the business instead of getting freaked out about the weird fish smell coming through the vent. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, you are right. You really do care. And that was the one thing that struck me on our first conversation. I mean, you jumped on a call with me, some n- unknown podcaster who was trying to hack it out with a seven-day-a-week podcast. And we had an hour and a half conversation. I could just tell that you really cared and you made things happen for me. And, you know, for that, I'm always going to be grateful. And I remember also fast forwarding well over a year to when you actually sent me another email and said, John, you're going to want to read this. And it was a pretty raw and emotional blog post that you wrote that was basically explaining, you know, the sabbatical that you were about to go on. And then, you know, also keeping us updated while you were on that or, or giving us a summation afterwards. And I remember thinking, you know what? Jeff, he's going to figure it out. Like he's going to make the right decision because he thinks deeply about things and you're not afraid to act when it comes time to act. And, you know, again, coming back to that situation where you get back and that you get blown off and the fish smell, you know, one thing that was pretty obvious to you, and this is a word that I love bringing up within these, uh, these interviews on Entrepreneur on Fire is focus. Like you saw that your focus had shifted. Like you were the person that took mid-roll from zero to eight million because you need someone that cares, Jeff, to do that, to take it from more like zero to $800. I mean, that's where you need to care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I couldn't have taken Entrepreneur on Fire to zero to $800 if I didn't care. And, you know, and now we're going to do 2.5 million this year. And, you know, that is because I cared for that first zero to eight. And you did too. But now it's time for you to focus on other things. You know, that following one course until success, don't have the death by a thousand opportunities, enter Wolf Den and enter Jeff's focus. And so that's kind of what I'm taking out of this, Jeff, is that you continue to look inside you and say, you know, what is right for me now? Because it's not always going to be the same as what it was yesterday and the year before. So what do you want Fire Nation to walk away with? If you could just have us really absorb one thing from that aha moment in your life, what would it be? 
just because you've committed to something, it's what you said, John, actually, when you, just because you've committed to something for as much as you have and you, you want to see it through, that doesn't mean that it's what's in the best interest for you or for the company. And you know, no one starts a business anticipating to fire themselves. <laughs> you know, like it's not it's not why you start a company, but you've got to be honest with yourself. I mean, I could have stuck it out. Look, I honestly believe that I could have taken it to twenty five or fifty million, but I would have shaved twelve years off of my life, and it would have been a real miserable experience for the people doing it with me. And that's not life's too short. That's not what it's about. So I, I, I think that it's a, it's a hard thing to do, but at the end, if you really, it's the whole, like, if you really care about something, you know, you'll set it free kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's what I had to do. So Jeff, now let's talk about another story. And this one is really focused on the business end. It's focused on the entrepreneurial end. And you've had a lot of these because you've had many different phases in your life. But if you can look back and point to your proudest entrepreneurial moment thus far, what would that moment be? That was when I, I found out that one of the people who works for us uh, got pregnant. And she told me that she was able to start a family because we had provided health care. And I think that that was the thing that, w- that gave me the most pride. Because again, you know, we're talking about we're three and a half years at that point or four years into to starting the company. And it wasn't long before that where I had you know, like a full turnover of staff. I thought we were going to fail. I didn't know what our focus was. And then like 18 months later, I find out that like there's an earwolf baby basically. You yes. know? Um, and it just, it just, yeah, it's just, you know, none of the other accolades or any of the, the stuff that people can say or do, you know, it's nice. Like if I wear my sweatshirt out in public and somebody stops me and says, thanks for, for all the great. I love uh, comedy. Bang, bang. Yeah, you know, I mean, that stuff's really great, but nothing compares to somebody saying, like, without, without this health care that you guys are paying for, I wouldn't be able to start a family. And that just really, it's very touching, and it, it gave me a lot of pride. Wow. Well, you're focused on the right things, Jeff, continuously. And let's bring things to present times. Let's bring things to today. I mean, we've gone through your journey, and now here you are. And I mean, I don't want to use the word free, but I mean, you're, you're kind of free. Like you're doing what you've chosen to do. You have extricated yourself and out of a situation, you know, while ensuring that that boat was, had a, had a right heading and was on the right direction. So what is the one thing that has you most fired up right now? Well, I'm not really doing anything new, although I'm going to tell you about something that I'm going to do new at the end of the interview, but, um, I'm still kind of like, you know, I'm only a month out and I'm, I'm chairman, you know, I, I still am the largest shareholder. So for you me, look at the massages, but you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so for me, the most exciting thing is still to do with mid roll. And I think, you know, to say we have the wind at our backs is an understatement. Um, it's not, it's not easy to find such a scenario where everything's going right all at once and the tides for you. I mean, John, you know, you're a testament to this. We went from 20 advertisers a year and a half ago when I started Midroll to now in 2014, we've had over 150. Wow. And out of our direct response advertisers, the toughest ones to please, you've got to really like prove your metal and make them more money than they pay you. We've had a 90% repeat rate from wow. Q3. And I think it's just, you know what? It's working. 
this thing that I've been telling everyone about for years <laughs> and no one will believe me for the longest time. It's working. You know, we've got studios coming to, to have us, you know, promote their movies. We've got small businesses coming to help us promote their services. Everybody is coming back for more because it works. And people like you, I mean, I was listening to, I listened to five uh, episodes recently just on a, a flight I had a couple days ago to, to catch up because I hadn't listened in a couple weeks to your no, show. No, you were testing out my sponsorship reads. I get it. And well, <laughs> they're undeniably amazing. And it's just, you know, to think of where everyone has come, where we have come. I mean, John, you're on our homepage. You're sharing, I yes. think, WTF with Mark Marin, Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, like, we've all just grown to a point that's just really tremendous. And I think. The fact that advertisers are getting more and more diverse and coming back with more and more money every month is something that's going to enable the content creators to just make more and more great content. And that's, to me, the most exciting thing happening right now. I mean, it's incredibly exciting. I can tell you that the wind is so at our backs. I mean, Jeff, when we first talked, I was getting 50,000 downloads a month and I was thrilled with that. That's a massive number and it was pretty random. We're actually talking now on September 8th. Obviously, the interview is going to come out later in the future in October. But today, specifically, I just pulled up my Libsyn stats right before I chatted with you. We are having our biggest day, Jeff, just today. And this is for a business podcast. We broke 50,000 downloads today, which is our biggest number we've ever had. And it's just, thank you. And it's great to see, though, the growth. It's been very steady. It hasn't been like this crazy hockey stick effect. It's been steady, steady, steady. And we are consistently growing as a podcast. And, you know, on the sponsorship side, we're already sold out for 2014, all through the mid-roll. You know, I am strictly exclusively mid-roll, and we're sold out through 2014. And Jeff, we have people coming to me now, sponsors, you know, through the mid-roll that are saying, can we start booking Entrepreneur Fire in 2015? And, you know, your team's obviously like, well, whoa, we need to wait a second because, you know, with how John's show is growing, obviously by November and December, we'll be locking down different rates, et cetera. But it's just incredible to see that, you know, you and I went from being really excited to lock down like three or four sponsors to now having to basically fend sponsors off because I only have so many sponsorship slots. I know, but John, listen... You say that it's not a hockey stick, but think about it. Our first conversation was probably 16 months ago. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) I mean, and that's one thing, like as an entrepreneur, I never had a day when I felt like I made progress. Never. I always thought about what I wasn't getting done that day or, you know, like all the things that I wish that we had done. But when you take a step back and you look month over month, like you guys do with your income report, you can really see the progress and how fast it is, even though to you it seems slow. No, that's a really good point. It's almost like my niece, who I only see like once every six months, I'm like, she's growing out of control. My sister's like, what are you talking about? Like, she's the same as she was six months ago. (laughs) (laughs) So are you going to be able to tell me online the one thing you're excited about, or is this an offline conversation? I'll tell you at the end on the how to contact me. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Jeff, we are about to enter the lightning round. But before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. I have a fun fact to share. Guess how much color increases brand recognition? 
80%. So when you're picking a color for your logo or a palette for your brand, don't take the decision lightly. The right color combination can highlight your business's strengths and draw customers to you. And as you might guess, the wrong combination can have the reverse effect. Designers at 99designs can help you pick colors that fit with your goals and personality. When I got around to picking a logo for Entrepreneur on Fire, I knew I wanted to include orange. It's bright, fun, eye-catching, and has a dynamic quality that speaks to social interaction. Once I nailed down what this logo should represent, it really set the tone for the rest of my materials. If you're looking for the right color for your logo, launch a design contest at 99designs. Logo started just $299. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free today. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform that will not only help you build your website and create your own unique logo, but that will also help you increase your revenue? With Squarespace, every website comes with an online store that makes it easy for you to feature your best products and services. No need to search high and low for a plugin or e-commerce platform that integrates. It's all right there in one place. Plus, with 20 highly customizable templates to choose from that automatically include a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your site, you're already one step ahead of the crowd. Worried about having the right support? Squarespace offers that too. In fact, they have a customer care team that works around the clock just for you. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Squarespace makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website with everything you need in one place. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace. Squarespace.com and use offer code FIRE. That's squarespace.com, offer code FIRE. Jeff, welcome to the lightning round where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Yes, can't wait. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Fear and alcohol. (laughs) Please expound. I'm two and a half years sober and I think that's another thing like when I talk about the failure of eardrop. I was also either drinking or attempting to stop drinking for the first like year and a half of the company's existence. And it, you know, it almost tore the company apart. Right. So I think that, you know, the, the drinking prior to that was one of the reasons why I had never really taken entrepreneurship seriously. And then the other is just fear. You know, I think fear drives pretty much everything everyone does all day long. And it really is just about, having the kind of uh, awareness to understand where your fear is coming from and recognize what's real and what isn't and and being able to get past that. Mm, So true. What is the best advice you've ever received? I was in New York and I had a a meeting with Seth Godin and we were both short on time. And so the only time we could meet was he drove me from his place north of the city into New York. And so we had like about an hour in the car And he's like, tell me what's going on with the business. And this was about a year ago. And I was telling him about the business and what was going right and what my struggles were. And he just like said, very deadpan, he goes, oh, your problem is that you're the wrong person for the job. Whoa. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) He said, no, you're, you're acting like a freelancer, not an entrepreneur. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's like you're hiring yourself to do every job at the company for $0 an hour because you're the best and the cheapest to do that job, but you're not actually building a business. You are not scalable. He's like, and there's nothing wrong with being a freelancer. I'm a freelancer, but you're claiming to be an entrepreneur. So he's like, if I were you, I would either accept the fact that you're going to have a nice craftsman business making a couple really cool podcasts. 
or start scaling, building an organization that can scale beyond you so that you're not the one having to do it every day, all day long. And that ultimately led to then that aha moment that I had months later where I realized I'm not the right guy and I don't have to be the one to do everything. Seth Godin. Jeff, share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success. Ask. Ask, ask, ask. Ask some more. Um, Be respectful. Uh, Be prepared. Be very considerate. Do not waste people's time. Mm. Uh, But ask. Call, call up John Lee Dumas and say, I love your show. Would you listen to what I'm talking you know, about, what I'm doing, so that maybe we can work together? Ask Seth Godin for a ride to New York and, and to get advice about what he thinks about your business. You know, I couldn't do what I've done without the help of all the people who've stepped in. And it's always because I'm not afraid to ask. You know, I think another thing real quick, I know you only asked for one, but it would be to maximize scarcity. Uh, that's probably my... Actually, that's probably my number one trick is to uh, survey the scene, figure out what's least available yet most valuable and capitalize on that as best you can. A lot of people don't don't seek that out. They don't they don't look for it and they spend their time on things that are, are not valuable. So true. And Jeff, if you have three, keep them coming, man, because these are value bombs. <laughs> and do you have an Internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with? That you can share with our listeners. Super simple uh, Gmail shortcuts. If you want to connect with people, which is like I said, you want to connect with people, you want to be able to have a network that you can give help to and that you can ask for help, you want to get through your emails twice as fast. So in order to do that, you better learn the shortcuts. Gmail shortcuts. And Jeff, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? Catcher in the Rye. I've read a million business books. I almost only read business books for probably the last 10 years. But I read Catcher in the Rye every summer and every holiday season. And it keeps me grounded. You know, the character of Holden Caulfield is one of the more earnest and honest and and curious characters that there is. And that's what kind of embodies what every entrepreneur should be. Have you read the book Fountainhead? I love Fountainhead. I read Fountainhead uh, when I was visiting my grandparents in Ireland when I was 17 years old. It changed my life. Yeah, it really did. I mean, to me, Catching the Rye has always been like a short version of Fountainhead or vice versa. I mean, it right. has that kind of character that you're talking about. And I am reading it right now for the third time, which is quite yeah. an undertaking because that's a massive, <laughs> massive it really book. Is. It's like on a Kindle, like you don't even realize you like you click, keep clicking the next page and you're like 6%, 6%, right. 6%. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on here? Holden and Howard Rourke are both some of the most courageous characters in fiction. And, and those, like I said, that combination of courageousness and curiosity and earnestness is really what I think makes all the great entrepreneurs that I know. I love it. And Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Jeff, this next question's the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? This is a really hard one. Uh, I've listened to every you know, a million of these answers, and I don't really know that I have a good one. I, 
I'm not trying to be cute, but I was thinking about this on the way over here, and I think I'd probably find a really great place for bread pudding because I love bread pudding. Mm. And I would make friends with the owner and simply ask how I could help them. Because I think at the end of the day, you want to be around something that you have passion for and you can't do anything alone. And, and oftentimes being of service is the best way to, to kind of get your own juices flowing. So I would probably just try to find uh, someone who made some great bread pudding and try to figure out how I could help them. Speaking of getting your juices flowing, you've gotten my saliva flowing because <laughs> I love bread pudding. So Fire Nation, if you know of a good recipe, send it my way. And Jeff, let's end today literally on fire with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. You know, I have a list of things and I think choosing just like the best last piece of advice has to go back to people. And when you're running a business, you know, unfortunately, people can both be nice and yet not good at their job. And that really sucks when they work for you. But if someone's a bad fit today, they're going to be a worse fit tomorrow. And that will ultimately hamper and impede the morale of your entire company. No one wants to be covering for the person who's not doing their job well enough. And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs I know have a hard time dealing with people who don't fit right. Um, or, you know, you, you're in a business that's growing fast. I mean, like our business has been growing so fast. Maybe the person who had the right skill set for Q2 can't keep up with the skills we need for Q3. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really difficult because, you know, you invest in people and you don't want to see them go. But at the end of the day, you're not doing them or the rest of the employees any service uh, by not making sure that that you move on to someone who could be the best fit. So that would be my advice is to pay attention to, to that and to, to get in front of it. Otherwise, you could be years later and really make a big mistake. And Jeff, to build off of that, like I've heard a lot of my previous guests say that the first time or the time that you should fire someone is literally the first time you think about it. Yeah, it's, it's really true. It's a lot easier to say than it is to do. So um, much easier. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I recognize that I wasn't right uh, for the job going forward is that I just, I just did not ever want to fire anybody. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's the advice I would give. And what is this special something you're sharing with us? So I just spent a couple days in a cabin in a forest outside of Mount Hood, Oregon, with a friend of mine who wanted some life-slash-career advice. He's going to be publishing his first book. And he's been struggling with some parts of what that means. And, and we spent 48 hours just uh, next to the Salmon River uh, dissecting what his options were and how he should do it and coming up with a plan. And he said, you know, you should, you should do this uh, a lot more often. You, you're really good at it. And I had done business management before. That's how I got into podcasting. I, I had a bunch of co- comedian clients and one of them introduced me to Scott, my, my partner in Earwolf. And so I've decided that I'm going to do 12 of these sessions uh, once a month for the next year. Uh, one-on-one, it's going to be very honest. Uh, it's going to expand, uh, span everything. It's not just about career. It's about what motivations are and what values you, you have in life that you're trying to achieve. Um, so anybody who's interested can go to jeffalrick.com. And like I said, there's only 12 spots. I decided to announce this on your show, John. Wow. I just I just came up with this a couple days ago and I was like, you know, I should bring this up while I'm on John's show in case any of his listeners are interested. Wow. Well, I'm interested. I'm definitely going to be following this with a uh, very bated breath because Jeff, you've just really proven to me that you're willing 
and able to follow your passion and to follow your intuition. And when people do that, exciting things happen. And Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with Jeff and myself today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com, type Jeff, J-E-F-F, into the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up with everything that we've talked about, recommended book, resource, the content that we shared today, but of course, go straight to Jeff Ulrich. Dot com. That's U-L-L-R-I-C-H dot com. And check out what he has in store for us. Exciting stuff. And Jeff, let me just thank you, my friend, for igniting the airwaves with me today. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you, John. Hey, hey, Nick Unsworth here, and I'm hosting the Life on Fire Virtual Summit where your fave entrepreneur, John Lee Dumas, along with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, Adam Braun from Pencils of Promise, Tony Shea from Zappos, and many others will be teaching you how to set your business and life on fire. You don't want to miss this live virtual event. Register right now for free by going to freevirtualsummit.com and prepare to ignite. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite.